I didn't know this was a thing. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. So our first well, get ready because the world <laughs> is about to know. Right. You're so, coming on Lead Them to yeah, Life, and we are so going to tell people all about pelvic floor health. <laughs> You're listening to Lead Them to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Leadham to Life. This is going to be a new one. I am so, so excited about this conversation. Um, I'm going to lay a little bit of background of why I have Miss Stacy Whitfield with me this morning, but or with me this afternoon. But Stacy, tell us a little bit about who you are. Introduce yourself to get us started. Sure. So my name is Stacy, and um, I'm a I'm a pelvic health physical therapist with Avera um, McKinnon here in Sioux Falls. Um, I do other things besides pelvic health physical therapy, but that's what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> so um, I've been a physical therapist for 23 years, and I've been working in pelvic health for, I'm going to guess, let's say 17. Okay. Um, so the years kind of go by faster than what you can count sometimes. Yep. Um, we have lived here in Sioux Falls for 14 years, and I've been with Avera for the time that we've been here in town. Okay. Um, I'm married. My husband and I have been married for 23 years. Um, he's a prosthetist in town, so artificial You're arms and legs You're all kind of in braces. the physical therapy <laughs> yeah, world, aren't you? Okay. Right? And uh, we have two kids and can hardly believe they're 18 and 16 at this point and kind of go to school over at Lincoln High School. And You almost have grown kids. I almost have grown kids. How do you feel about that? Scared. <laughs> Are you kind of ready at the same time? Oh, um, no. No? <laughs> no? Okay, interesting. No, yeah. Do you think you will be when your second is... No. No. Okay. <laughs> I can look back like I wasn't that mom who had a problem sending her kid to kindergarten or middle school, but now kind of the, all those College laughs scares are the coming crap out of you. Up, yeah. And that's, got, that's gotten a lot harder. Yeah. 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 Well, Stacy, I am so grateful for you taking time to to come and um, spend some time with me. So, like I said at the beginning, this is a little bit outside the norm of a Lead em to Life podcast, but uh, a huge heart that I have for this platform and for the conversations that happen on Lead Them to Life is to have real life conversations about the human experience. Um, We have a lot of listeners in uh, pre-childbearing years, childbearing years, and post-childbearing years. And before I lose the men uh, (laughs) that are listening to me right now, I actually want to tell you why I wanted to have you on. So um, I'll tell a little bit of my story as well. Like I came and saw you, but uh, I had a friend that came and saw you Mm -hmm. and she was excited about it. But her husband was so fascinated and and moved and excited and learned so much from your education. So I'm like, this is so important for couples to talk about. Well, and I also want to point out that although I think the focus of our conversation is kind of female pelvic health. Um, men have pelvises too. And <laughs> oh yeah, so they do. They do I right? forgot about and that. And <laughs> so um, we see men for pelvic health conditions as well as kids and women. So obviously women are by far and away the majority of our sure, practice sure. Um, for many reasons, but um, men do have pelvic health issues and yeah. we see them on a regular basis. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So f- to get us started, what are we talking about when we talk about the the pelvic floor. What sure. what actually what yep. actually is that? Yep. So typically, when we talk about the pelvis, we talk about two main things: the pelvic floor being the musculature at the base of the pelvis. So I kind of like to visualize it as anything your bikini covers. 
yep. are the muscles of your pelvic floor. They run from your pubic bone in the front of your pelvis to the tailbone in the back of the pelvis. And from your right sit bone, if you wiggle on your tush and to your left sit bone. And so everything, everything within that kind of diamond shaped um, area is mm-hmm. considered your pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we hear people talk about the pelvic girdle. Um, which probably then also incorporates the organs of the pelvis. So the bladder, the uterus, the colon, things of that nature. Fascinating. Right. Because sometimes it's hard to talk about the pelvic floor without talking about, you know, for women, the vagina and or the urethral problems that they may be having. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So um, part of the reason that I wanted to have this conversation is because um, myself and, and this is a bit disclosing probably more than anything that I've ever shared on Lead Him to Life. And I'm pretty vulnerable on Lead Him to Life. Um, but after my first was born, I had a ton of postpartum pain. And uh, as I started, it's number one, it was scary. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm a brand new mom. Am I ever going to be the same again? Um, no, the answer is you're never going to be the same again <laughs> in many ways. Um, but I started having conversations with all of these different um, women and couples who I was finding had some common stories and uh, some common struggles that they were having postpartum or that they were having uh, in their spousal relationship and their mm-hmm. intimacy and that kind of thing. And it just opened up this whole door for me of like, man, this is a common experience and nobody's talking about it. I had no idea right. unless I had been married to a, you know, <laughs> hadn't been married to a physical therapist. I just would have had no idea right. that this existed. And so it became something that I was really passionate about and a huge advocate for educating and kind of normalizing this as a, as a healthy part of care right. um, for women. But as you mentioned for men as well, mm-hmm. that might be having issues. So um, that's kind of why I want to have this conversation to start normalizing and bringing right. forward like, yep. hey, there's assistance here, there's, you there's know, people out there there's, that can help you. Yes. I mean, I always say the pelvic floor is a set of muscles, right? Yeah. And who do you go see for all of your muscle problems when you have you've had a surgery or you've had a strain or an injury? Yep. Um, you don't question seeing a physical therapist for a knee problem or a hip problem or a shoulder problem, mm-hmm. back problem or a neck problem. It's very mainstream. But the pelvic floor is a set of muscles all the same. And I always like to point out that the pelvic floor is part of your core. So anybody who's talking about core work and uh-huh. core training and exercising your core, if you're not in- integrating some pelvic floor education and knowledge, um, you're missing part of that that puzzle. So so a ton of what you do is actually the education yeah, totally. component. Exactly. Okay. And I want to get into more of that in a little bit, but um, maybe to kind of uh, get us uh, into this a bit more, what are some signs um, that you see of poor, quote unquote, mm-hmm. pelvic floor health or sure. so like issues like, that might right. come up? Why do people come and see me? Yeah. Right. So um, the most common reasons that women would come to see me from a pelvic health perspective um, would be urinary leakage. Um, maybe urinary urgency and frequency problems, mm-hmm. um, maybe urinary retention. They feel like they can't get all of the ur- urine out when they sit to void. Um, they may come to see me for um, constipation issues. They may come to see me for pelvic ring problems, meaning the bones of the pelvis. So maybe like an SI problem, sacroiliac problem, the joints where your pelvis meets your back. They may be coming to us for a pubic symphysis problem, 
um, meaning that joint in the front of your um, pelvis and um, pelvic pain issues. So that could be um, maybe an abdominal pain or pain associated with things like endometriosis. Um, it could be um, pain associated with bowel dysfunction and constipation and maybe IBS kind of problems. Um, it could be a post-surgical pain, a post-injury pain, um, but a very common one is pain with intercourse, um, which may be something that we would see post-labor and delivery, um, even just post-pregnancy, even for women who have had C-sections, the pelvic floor is under a lot of stress, not quite the kind of stress that a vaginal birth would provide, but huh. even C-section moms can have can still have can still have floor. some pelvic floor pain. Um, maybe they um, are a, a a cervical or an endometrial cancer patient. Um, maybe they had a hysterectomy. Um, maybe they had other pelvic floor surgeries, or maybe they've had a fracture, or maybe they're an abuse victim. There's a lot of reasons why um, vaginal pain can be um, really debilitating for women. That is way more broad than I even yeah. knew. Right. So. So yeah, so the variety of wow. patient types that come through our door from a pelvic health perspective can be everything from, you know, a 16-year-old who's having trouble with um, like exercise-induced amenorrhea and some problems associated with that. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's a child with constipation or bedwetting issues, huh. or maybe it's a woman perimenopause who's having vaginal dryness and a lot of pain or a lot of urgency yeah. associated with that, or a, a mom who's pregnant or in postpartum who's struggling yeah. with just maybe some leakage post-baby or yeah. some pelvic pain post-baby. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the mom um, that's pregnant or postpartum yep. um, because I think that's a lot of uh, kind of the audience that sure. we're speaking with is in that middle range. Um, how, how can childbirth or yeah, pregnancy, how does that affect the pelvic floor and sure. why can that cause issues or uh, weakness or mm -hmm. whatever it causes? Yep. So during pregnancy, the first thing that we'll think about is just the pressure from the baby growing and holding that baby in your uterus for all of those months. Mm -hmm. And especially there in that last trimester, that baby's starting to gain some mass. Yeah, no joke. I'm like starting it right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Baby's getting real right, big real, real quick. Big, real fast, right. <laughs> it's probably going to be a 30-pounder. <laughs> so I'll come see you in a few weeks. <laughs> right. So just that kind of constant pressure kind yeah. of down through the uterus, down through um, the pelvic floor, puts some strain on that tissue. And we can actually see um, that the position of the pelvic floor muscles actually descend a little bit during pregnancy and postpartum. And it can take a couple of years for them to kind of get strong and tight enough and kind of pull back up a little bit. And that's Weird. kind of scary, right? Yeah. That's a long time. So, well, because people are on to maybe having having another right, child before correct. that's yeah. even healed. Right, exactly. Or back to normal. Yep. So there's huh. just the pressure of the pregnancy itself. Yeah. Um, also, the pressure of the pregnancy might be, you know, causing things like shortness of breath because the baby is pushing up into your lungs and maybe is pushing on your bladder. So you're feeling like you've got some bladder dysfunction. And because you're losing... Um, you know, your belly's stretching really fast in proportion to, you know, just a typical nine-month period mm -hmm. of your life. Um, you're losing good muscle activation because all those muscles are kind of being overstretched, so you can't really activate your abdominals very well. And yep. again, your pelvic floor and your abs, they kind of work together. So yep. there's kind of this just muscle dysfunction that happens because they can't just work the way they usually do. Yeah. 
Which is why rolling over in bed when you're pregnant is really hard. <laughs> right. You have no core muscle. Right. Interesting. And, you know, okay. or like trying to do a sit-up, right? Like yeah. you get up on the floor, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Simple things. Yeah. Especially if you have a toddler running around yeah. and you're trying to Impossible. do those life things. Impossible. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you put in the fact that then, you know, there's those hormones of pregnancy. And from, yeah. a, from a pelvic health perspective, we look at things like relaxin. And that's the hormone that um, softens all of the ligaments in your body, in particular your pelvis, so that your pelvis can expand for labor and delivery. Well... Um, once you've had a baby, your body kind of is already has a little bit more mobility in those ligaments. They never probably are as tight as we were before we've ever had a pregnancy or a childbirth. And so then with each subsequent pregnancy, it seems like your body will respond to that relaxing hormone a little faster uh-huh. and maybe a little bit bigger. So, you know, oh. for instance, I was an SI sufferer with both of my pregnancies and yeah maybe even before pregnancy, so maybe had a little bit of dysfunction. So with my first pregnancy, what is I started SI? SI sacroiliac, so that low back pelvic joint. Um, is that what hurts yeah. on me right now? Right, yes. yes. Okay. So kind of where <laughs> the edge of your pelvis meets the edge of your sacrum. Okay. Kind yeah. of that, that little dimple yeah, that you can like feel. Yeah, but like off to the side. Off to kind the side. Of, yeah. yeah. You oh, feel that little yeah. dimple in your back or, yep. or your pelvis? Yep. yep. So with my first baby, I think I probably had some of that pelvic pain that started probably around four or five, six months maybe, okay. second trimester-ish with my second baby who was only 26 months later. Um, Pretty quick. Yeah, came on probably like on yeah, I think, it started I think right away. day two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a matter of, you know, those hormones can really cause some problems with things like being comfortable getting up out of bed and, you know, starting to mm-hmm. walk, change mm-hmm. positions or mm-hmm. just some simple things. You know, I remember um, we used to live by a lake up in Minneapolis and St. Paul and my husband worked longer hours than what I had been doing because he was a resident at the time. And so I would try to go for a walk around the lake and back, which should have taken me about 30 minutes. Sure. It was a small lake. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, I would like, so as I started to look more pregnant, I would start to walk and I'd have to be like, oh, I've got to sit down. <laughs> so here's this big old pregnant belly sitting <laughs> on the side. And the number of people who like to stop in Minnesota and ask you if you're doing okay. Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm fine. The Minnesota nice comes out. <laughs> got to yeah. get up and walk a little bit more. <laughs> oh, funny. Just having a little pelvic pain. Don't mind me. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So between just the growing baby, between just the pressure on the pelvic floor muscles and on the organs and the relaxing hormone going through your system just with the pregnancy itself. And then if you talk about vaginal delivery, delivery, you know, then you've delivery got, is no joke. Delivery is not a joke. It's not for any wussies at all. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and I had two C sections, and I'm <laughs> I'm all kind of glad that happened. So it's just a matter of yeah, there's a lot of tissue trauma that can happen with labor and delivery. So you probably see because a lot of women will have um, maybe some tearing yep. or that kind of thing in delivery, sure. especially yep. early from earlier, like first or second mm-hmm. babies. I'm guessing yep. it's maybe later or less in later pregnancies. I don't know. Or it deliveries, just seems but... to be different from woman to woman. So do you treat like scar tissue? Yep. Sure. Because that can cause a lot of pain, can it? It sure can. Yep. So, you know, obviously we wouldn't probably start working with a mom who'd had some tearing until there was more Built tissue connect, right? So there's some closure of that of that wound. Um, but yeah, if there's um, teaching somebody to do some perennial muscle massage, either externally, but sometimes even internally, vaginally, is a great way to start to kind of improve blood flow to that tissue and help stretch that tissue a little bit and get it used to just normal function. So mm-hmm. whether that be able to be able to wear a tampon to have 
help with menstrual control or to be able to return to intercourse with your with your spouse. Mm-hmm. All those things are to think about having a baby again. Right. <laughs> you right. know, all those things are big stressors to the pelvic floor. So yeah, soft tissue work can be helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about what you would do if you had an injury to a shoulder or a knee. You know, you might massage it, you might stretch it. Um, it's just really a little bit harder and we have to be a little bit more deliberate about stretching to vaginal muscles because let's face it, we don't just make that part of our day mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on for any yeah. normal day. So it's just a matter of kind of learning some techniques yeah. that could be helpful to improve that tissue. Okay. Let's talk about your intercourse example. Okay. So on, on the podcast, there's been a lot of different episodes where I've talked about just sexuality and, and healthy sexuality with our spouses and, and intimacy and that kind of thing. Right. Um, and I would love for you to uh, share, what do you see in women, um, especially in that postpartum phase? Because I think there's a, probably a lot of women that are very fearful, Correct. Um, especially if they have pain or something yep. like that. Um, how do you, what do you see, number one, yep. in them, kind of what's emotionally going sure. on for a lot of them? And then how do you really help them to get yep. over that kind of fear, pain cycle, yep. whatever that is? Yep. So it, comes with a lot of communication, both from, I think, from a therapist to the patient and then helping that patient with communication to their spouse. Okay. Because I think a lot of women who might be having problems, let's just say in that first six months postpartum, um, we all have this belief in our bodies that they're going to, it's going to get better. It's going (laughs) to go away. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, in those first few months, you're probably not terribly interested in whether or not you're having sex after you've given birth in the first place. Yeah. You're just trying to heal. You're trying to figure out motherhood. You're trying to figure out this baby who's Beat a this, baby. Yeah. <laughs> who's kind of creating all sorts of, you know, novel situations in your world. But eventually, <laughs> you know, that return to sexuality is something that women are struggling to get back to. And um, I think I see a lot of women who are trying kind of just get it over with, grin and bear it. It's going to be oh, fine. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I think that if what, what then I see later, so if that continues to happen, if every time that a woman starts to have intercourse and it becomes painful, right? So we're just going to assume it's going to be painful every time. Right. You're going to assume it's going to be painful every time. Yeah. And it generally is painful every time because it's the same scar tissue. It's the same tissue problem. And we haven't made it any better since last time. Uh-huh. And if anything, maybe, you know, you had pain when, when your, your body's kind of our bodies want to avoid pain. Our bodies yeah. don't want us to hurt. Yeah. So the reflex is to be tight, right? To guard, right? To have tension. Yeah. Well, it's really hard to have intercourse if your pelvic muscles around your vaginal entrance are tight. So, you know, maybe then women are starting to try to avoid intercourse. And does that cause stress in their marriage? And, um, you know, does that start to make them have doubts about kind of what's possible for their bodies and is this normal or is this not normal? And so first of all, you know, just kind of normalizing with somebody to say, Hey, this is not atypical in any way, shape or form. And that, Hey, there's lots of things that we can do to make this better. Mm -hmm. And so we just try to start to communicate like, this is, you know, why this is happening. Mm -hmm. There is some scar tissue and you're now just stretching a muscle that, you know, when it comes to the vaginal tissue, especially if you think about it, most of the time that muscle can be as tight as it wants to be and it doesn't bother anything in your world. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So from a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis or whatever someone's sexual frequency typically would be with their with their spouse, um, most of the time we're not having sex. So they're not having pain. Okay. But now all of a sudden 
intimate situations and even just kind of that suggestion of intercourse starts to kind of create anxiety and stress and tension. And, you know, if you're stressed and tense about anything, you tighten up your muscles, yeah. right? Muscles are tighter. It's hard to be yeah. relaxed. So it's if not you only anticipate. physiological, it's psychological. Right, That's right. I, exactly. And so, yeah. I mean, our bodies have this, of want, we want to avoid pain. Uh-huh. And it's really hard to kind of step back and talk about that. So yeah. we try a lot, you know, in the pelvic health world to kind of help them understand that this is a normal thing, a normal problem, and that there are solutions to this. So we might start talking about um, kind of what would be some external stretching or some external massage techniques that they could do to start to reduce their pain. Mm -hmm. And I like to kind of look at it as kind of a step. Um, I always joke that, you know, sex is now a sport and you have to stretch, <laughs> you know, yeah. so you just can't just jump <laughs> yeah. in and run a 5k, you know, so... <laughs> Um, so first of all, <laughs> we need example. to, we need to retrain those pain fibers to accept touch by, by yourself, by that patient. So can they do some self perennial massage to decrease some of that hypersensitivity that might be there? Uh -huh. Can I teach them to use a, a vaginal dilator, which is kind of a crazy sounding word, but it's basically just a kind of a, a wand shaped tool, um, that we can insert vaginally to do a little stretching. Mm-hmm. So can I have them start to do independently some stretching where they're in control of where the pressure is, how much pressure they want to use, how long they want to use it. So if they're feeling they want to stop, they don't have to worry about hurting their their, their spouse's feelings. It's, oh, interesting. it's just a matter of, hey, can you get used to this tissue stretching? Yeah. Okay. And then we talk about, hey, now can we integrate your spouse into that? Because again, now in our, in our psyche, we've kind of established that our spouse for all of the trauma that is causing the patient is also causing trouble for their, their partners, you yeah. know, because they don't want to harm, they don't want their wife to be in pain. Yeah. So helping them have a strategy of how can they be helpful in this? Because we want them to not be a pain generator, uh -huh. right? So can you have this discussion about, around breakfast time and say, okay, honey, today I need you to help me with some vaginal stretching tonight after yep. the kids go to bed yep. at like eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to have intercourse, but I just need We're, you to oh, help interesting. me. We're not right, going to kind of have that kind of have that pre-existing uh -huh. kind of conversation. So there's not that tension stress right? or the expectation or the is expectation, really, yeah. right. Cause that kind of that intimate situation, right? So yeah. this is an exercise. This is the stretch. Uh -huh. Okay. Maybe that goes really well. You've identified that, Hey, I can do my own self-stretching and be relatively pain-free. I can introduce my husband into the mix and he can now help me do some stretching and identify because I think it's helpful for men to be able to kind of actually understand the musculature. The or yeah, the muscle, right, the muscle. Right. Because yeah. again, you know, we talked earlier, like sometimes the whole pelvic region is clouded in mystery and yeah. we might not have words and yeah. right descriptors right. and right. how to kind of express a, where pain a vested interest, but right. we don't know anything about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it actually kind of opens up kind of a time for conversation uh -huh. about, hey. My therapist says this is my right obturator internus muscle, you know, yeah. over here at three o'clock, you know, up yeah. kind of on this deeper upper lateral muscle and it's giving me fits. And that's what we need to work on, you know. And so then we say, okay, well now, you know, you could do self-stretch and your partner could help you with stretch. Now maybe you do some stretching and then maybe you have just initial penetration and that's it. And again, mm -hmm. this was kind of pre-discussed. We're just going to let me breathe and we're just going to help help me relax. Slowly. Kind of just get used to that again. So we're not yeah. giving that that pre-trained pain message a chance to jump to that pain response uh -huh. too fast. Uh -huh. Not that you're not going to be pain-free right away. Yeah. But then we can kind of just gradually kind of ease our way in. And the more communication that you and your spouse are able to have and success to see, hey, 
this worked really well. I was successful at doing some self-massage. Yeah. Hey, we were really successful by session three or four about you helping me uh-huh. with some pelvic floor massage. Yeah. Hey, by the third time we did just penetration only, that didn't hurt. Yeah. You know, so we're just trying to help give them steps to yeah. try to help understand what they can do and kind of how to identify where their pain is and what they can do. And maybe we talk about, well, this muscle is under the most stress in this position. Mm-hmm. Maybe we talk about, hey, maybe roll to your other side, you know, mm-hmm. try to have intercourse in a different position to see if that offers you reduced muscle tension. Mm-hmm. Because a big struggle with this is that hips and the pelvic floor, they get tied together. So, and, but they're not the same thing? No. So, yeah, I mean, you have never probably, if I asked you to, flex your hip muscle, you wouldn't necessarily associate that with your pelvic floor, right? No. But a lot of hip muscles, like think about, I call them the potty dance muscles for a reason. Like what do we do when we really try not to pee? We dance around, we cross our legs, we skews our knees together, we kind of squat a little bit, we jump up and down, we move around, right? Yeah. So there are certain hip muscles, not every hip muscle, so probably not, I shouldn't have used the hip flexor as a good example. That wasn't a good example. Your inner thigh, your your hip squeezing muscles would be a great example. Okay. Um, but if we hold tension in muscles that make the pelvic floor tight, maybe we're facilitating more pelvic floor tension. So hmm. talking about ways to keep certain hip muscles relaxed yeah. and flexible and stretched can also be a way that we can kind of talk through those kind of pain with intercourse struggles. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I want to talk really two, two more things. What about couples in latter years yeah. uh, maybe that have that are are done uh in childbearing that are even menopausal or mm-hmm. postmenopausal yep. what what happens then well so then we kind of get to the other end of the life spectrum right so yeah. now we're dealing with all the same kind of things just in a different mix so obviously now perimenopausal we're losing estrogen um, estrogen starts to cause thinning of some of the pelvic floor muscles it also tends to cause a lot more vaginal dryness and fragility. Um, so again, maybe women who are having pelvic pain and recovered postpartum are now seeing these same frustrations kind of arise again, but for different reasons. And again, they're mm. usually related to hormone and muscle yeah. changes. So again, we're just talking a lot about um, they might respond to the same kind of perennial treatments, massage, Okay. Um, dilator use, but we talk a lot about lubrication and the fact that you need to replace what's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, that can be easier for some women to understand than others because some women, even in their 20s, don't have fantastic vaginal lubrication and have always used supplemental lubrication to kind of assist in comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think women who never had to think about that, all of a sudden changing a, a habit within their within their yeah, marriage feels like a huge right, is a huge change. kind of shift. Um, and sometimes we're even dealing kind of in that age group with men having erectile dysfunction and how that changes, um, the function of the female, um, process with intercourse too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're really trying to kind of help them keep their pelvic floor strong. Um, we're working on kind of, again, kind of recognizing what they can do to create a more comfortable vaginal environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, then sometimes in that perimenopausal rate with the lowering of the estrogen, Sometimes we have stronger, smooth muscle contractions, which is your bladder. So that starts to make people start to have more urgency, frequency problems. Mm-hmm. So again, we're trying to kind of help mm-hmm. mitigate kind of how all those changes are occurring mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. in that menopausal yeah. area. Whether that's a surgical menopause because of hysterectomy that can occur anytime or whether that's 
just natural hormonal menopause. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think a lot of couples suffer in silence? Yes. Why? Um, Because I don't think people are good at communicating. I think that um, a lot of people don't have good words for their pelvic floors. They don't know the difference between their labia and their vulva. They don't know, you know, what to call um, some of that introidal tissue. Um, they just don't know how to talk about it very well. And again, I think that if there's been pain and then you start to avoid intercourse, it just starts to kind of create this kind of cyclical pattern. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, I think just a little bit of communication and a little bit of education can yeah. go a long way. Yeah, um, yeah. I know my one of my funniest stories is I had a patient years ago and um, her husband was in the construction business and um, we were at a home show at some point and from across like the pavilion way. Oh no, oh no. She's like, Stacy. <laughs> and she goes on this big elaborate story and, you know, I'm there with my husband and my kids and she's there at the booth with her husband and I'm just like, oh, I'm like, oh goodness sakes. Um, well, thank you. I'm so yeah, glad that you're doing I'm better. I'm so glad you're doing well. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, she has this funny story where, you know, she would like to talk about how she never could feel like she could relax unless the kitchen was cleaned. And I was like, well, have you ever communicated that to your husband? You know, if you're feeling like, you know, you have this history of pelvic pain and pain with intercourse and you know that you need to be able to relax and reduce your muscle tension before you're able to be, have, be able to have sex in, in a comfortable way. But if, if something as silly as the kitchen not being cleaned is what's holding you back, maybe you just need to tell your husband that he needs to help you clean the kitchen yeah, yeah. <laughs> before you can move to the bedroom. Yeah. And then we and can so, go have a blast, but we right, got to get the dishes right, put away. <laughs> right. So she did. And she, you know, it was kind of this funny thing because she's like, all of a sudden I was not stressed anymore. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. So she's telling me, you know, at this home show about how now her husband helps with the dishes. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. My husband's like, oh geez. Yeah. No. So yeah. So it's kind of funny things, but it's just yeah. kind of sometimes pointing out that communication and identifying, you know, what are your stressors and where's your pain and what can we do about your pain? And yeah. kind of knowing that you're kind of a team and you're in this together Yeah, and it's way easier to solve a problem together than it is apart. And that builds intimacy in itself. And it does. Right. Right. Just kind of having the, the trust to have that communication and the trust to say, Hey, this is a problem that I'm having and I, I need your help through it. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of just trying to teach them kind of maybe the words to kind of help explain to their spouse what's happening and mm-hmm. to kind of explain what what are the steps that we're going to take to try to kind mm-hmm. of move forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I feel a little torn because in some ways it's like there's there's two types of normalization that I think need are, are happening or need to happen or that are harmful. Number one is the normalization to talk about this. Right. What And, and that's a mm-hmm. really good thing. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like in some ways we've normalized a lack of pelvic floor health. Oh, sure. Like, okay, yep, yeah. I've had I've had three babies, so when I sneeze, I'm automatically going to pee my pants. Right. Kind of thing. And that's like, it's been so normalized right. among women. Yes. It's Does not it, normal. Yeah, but, it's, right. yes, but yes. it's not. It shouldn't no, be normal. It should not be normal. So, you know, go out and share with all of your friends and family that, hey, there's, there's help and there's hope, you know, and yeah. whether that means you're in a six-month postpartum place or whether that means you're 62 and you've been struggling for years. Yes. Um, there are therapists out there that are trained to kind of help give you some guidance. Yeah. And um, we can see really good yeah. improvement for a lot of these yeah. women. And yeah. the faster that we talk about it and the more that we kind of make it kind of normal early mm-hmm. on to kind of recognize that, hey, there's mm-hmm. things that we can do about 
um, the problems that we're struggling with because one in four women have pelvic floor health issues somewhere in their lifetime, and that's what's reported. So I guess in my mind, so I think it's probably, probably more like one in two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always that miracle lady who wow. can have six babies and not have and a problem totally and, and be totally fine. But yeah. most women aren't that way. Most yeah. women have some dysfunction, some point, whether it's, wow. you know, at early onset of the menstruation process or whether it's with childbearing or whether it's, you know, post-surgeries, traumas, injuries, disease process, or just aging and menopause. Yeah. You know, all those things yeah. um, create opportunities for um, dysfunction yeah. over the lifespan. Yeah. So I, I feel like it just needs to be said um, and, and honored that we're talking about a really intimate reality Correct. and a sacred part. Right. I mean, we our bodies right. are incredibly sacred. And, yes. and this is a really intimate conversation yep. in that it's it's a tender place right. for, for couples or yep. a tender place for women. Yeah. How do you see... Um, pelvic floor health actually contributing to especially a woman's but a couple's overall flourishing oh I think you know what I mean it's yeah just, yeah I think you're right on with that I think it's a matter of if you have a good understanding about how your body works and what keeps your body working well mm-hmm. um, and you have a way and a technique and a set of tools to keep maintaining that as an individual and as a couple. Hmm. um, I think that that just leads to growth in every part of your life. Yeah. You know, it's just like if we, what we know about diet and nutrition, Yeah, you know, it's just like what we know about, you know, exercise for good physical cardiovascular health. Um, It's just kind of a matter of kind of not being afraid to talk about a certain part of your body because it's kind of that associated with intimacy and yeah. for so many years it's kind of been a taboo subject. Um, so mm-hmm. just kind of trying to break that down and say like, hey, this is normal to have this conversation. And maybe you don't have it at work if you don't work with a pelvic health therapist <laughs> <laughs> or you're not married to a physical therapist. Yeah, But kind of being okay with having some of those conversations. I, I do think that women who are in their 20s and 30s today are much more at ease with those body conversations. And I don't know exactly where that has come from out of general society, but I think, you know, as generations have progressed, people are a lot more comfortable having those conversations. Um, But even it's just like, I think we were talking before, it's just even like when you're raising your children, like giving them the right words for the right body parts, you know, and calling Mm -hmm. a a vulva a vulva and a vagina Mm -hmm. a vagina and a urethra a urethra. And, you know, in my daughter's case, those are your gluteals that you're sitting on. It's a long story, but um, you know, it's a penis. It's, you know, those are your testicles. Those are just, they're just, it's just anatomy words. But I think for so many people, those words have kind of such a stigma and things they don't want to talk about or yeah. talk. You know, or or almost associate like a bad. It's right. There's a negativity something. sometimes yeah. associated with that. And mm-hmm. so, but if you never give your toddler those words, when are you going to go back and teach your middle school student, those Mm -hmm. words. Yeah. When are you going to go teach your young adult child those words? So if you never give them those words, where do they, how can they tell you if there's a problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, that's super important to me as a mother of a daughter. You know, I don't want her ever in a situation where she can't describe something that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't want 
you know, anybody to not have words if there's an abuse situation happening somewhere. Yeah. Um, but also if they're going to see a physician about a problem or a yeah. therapist about a problem, I want them to be able to talk about where- To pinpoint it. Right, to pinpoint yeah. where it is. So yeah. it's just a matter of kind of yeah. starting to have those conversations um, in your family mm-hmm. um, because I think it is an intimate thing and to be able to share with your children, this is a very um, special part of your body. Yeah. You know, this is to be honored. It's not- like your elbow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't treat them the same. Yeah. So, you know, but being able to kind of open up conversation about them and yes. what their normal functions are yes. is yeah. really helpful to start kind of changing yeah. that that culture. I feel like I didn't really understand my fertility until I was really quickly approaching marriage. Oh, sure. And there's so many there's mm-hmm. so yeah, there's I think there's so many women. Um, and and yep. men in that same boat. Right. That, I would even argue men even more than women. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That they just, aren't the ones that are having yes, a uterus in yes, their vagina. So yes, you're right. Yes. So they just like that you have them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we, a vested yeah, interest. Vested but what interest. is it? How does it right. work? Totally. So it's just kind of about kind of educating Education. people and kind yeah. of opening up that communication about, um, you know, maybe not everyone's super comfortable talking about intercourse, but you can at least start to talk about the body in terms of what its parts really are. Yeah. And yep. kind of be able to start with small conversations. Um, and it's so intricate. Yeah. You know, like I, I think when we really look at our bodies, right. there's so many. My yep. husband's conversion really to the faith, um, it was multifaceted, but a huge part of it was him studying anatomy right. in college and just seeing the complexity of the sure. human person. He right. was like, there's no way there's not a God. Like this is just imprinted on the very body of the human person you're, you know you're exactly right to be able to create a life uh, unbelievable. to be able to heal the way we heal to yeah. be able to kind of undergo the stresses and the um life forces that we yeah. kind of have placed upon us from day to day mm-hmm. um yeah you mm-hmm. know there's a higher power that's yeah. helping to guide us okay a couple of really practical questions sure. do people need a doctor's um referral to come see yep. somebody like you so the answer is no Okay. Generally. So okay. in South Dakota, um, there is direct access to see a physical therapist. Okay. Um, I can't order any testing. So, you know, if we're worried about a yeast infection or if we're worried about a bacterial infection, um, I can't do a pap smear. You know, I can yeah. do a vaginal exam, yeah. but I'm not going to send anything off to the lab or do any mm-hmm. testing. So sometimes if there's a, like a pain issue or a bladder dysfunction issue, sometimes it is helpful to have ruled out a UTI or a yeast infection, or a cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. So those are things that I, as a physical therapist, can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if we're dealing with some very, I had an episiotomy and I had Ugh. stitches, <laughs> and Ugh. I just need help because I'm having pain with intercourse. Where we're kind of confident that's yep. where that is. You do not need a phys- you do not okay. need a physician's referral. Okay. But again, I generally talk a lot about why you might want to have a conversation with your physician just to make sure we're covering all the bases. Because I think as an entry point into the healthcare system with direct access, we have to be very responsible about knowing kind of what's within my scope of practice Mm -hmm. and what's not. Mm -hmm. Would you, would your ideal world be that every woman postpartum would have a referral to come see you at some point? Yes. So in my ideal world, so so at Avera, there are um, four of us in pelvic health that um, work in some degree um, working with women yep. um, and with pelvic health issues. And as a kind of a team, we have talked often about the fact that our ideal our ideal world would be that yes, you know, we're always happy to see women during their pregnancy if they're struggling with pain or back pain or 
pelvic pain or whatever that might be. Um, but when you get to that post-delivery six-week visit with your OB, we would, in our ideal world, it would be fantastic if that OBGYN starts to say, hey, patient, um, how are you doing? Are you having any trouble with urinary incontinence? Most women at the six-week point might not know they have had pain yeah. with intercourse because they probably they haven't, probably haven't gone there. They probably yet. haven't had sex yet. So you know, just to kind of they start might not that, even be healed yet. They might not even be healed yet. You're exactly yeah. right, especially for women who have had a lot of tearing or mm-hmm. a lot of repair work done. Um, but just starting to have those conversations that hey, you know, there's physical therapists that are specializing in women's health issues, yeah. and if you feel like that would help you now, fantastic. Um, but know that at any point along this first year, I'd love to give you, you know, a referral. We would get, love to give you a referral anytime. Hmm. And then I'd like that conversation to come back up at that next annual exam. Mm-hmm. So it's been a year since your baby. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are, you know, any how soreness, is, any, soreness, any, any problems yeah. with intercourse, any problems with urinary urgency frequency, huh. any pelvic pain, any uh-huh. whatever that might look like. Yeah. Because I think so many times that, that visit now when you're not pregnant starts to kind of go right back to a pap smear to a, yeah, you know, totally. just that total totally. well woman's visit. But I would kind of like that first year to kind of be like, hey, this is a great time to intervene. And it's not that we can't intervene later, but it's yeah. always better if we intervene earlier than yeah. later. Yeah. So that women aren't struggling indefinitely. Yeah. So that yeah. I don't have a 62 year old coming into my office saying that they've had urinary problems since their birth of their oh, last child. That just you makes know, me want to cry. Years ago. Yeah, that just you makes know? me want to so cry. So I'm like, oh, shoot. So yeah, yeah. we just want to kind of, again, kind of keep promoting the fact that, hey, this is a service that's offered and not everybody is going to be ready for that at six weeks postpartum because, I mean, I look at my crazy world at six weeks postpartum, I could barely figure out how to get to Target. Yeah. <laughs> go get the Let alone know if I was I having was like, issues. I don't even know what's going on, yeah. right? So, yeah. but yeah, so, but, you know, definitely, you know, every woman kind of, kind of grasps kind of yeah. their world back at a yeah. certain rate. And at what point, if you're still having a problem, would it be a good idea yeah. to start having a conversation? And the, yeah. the beauty of that is, is that maybe you only need to come and see a pelvic floor therapist one time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to come back for three or four visits over the course of a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's maybe another thing that I always reassure women is like you think of therapy and you think of it, your grandma who had a knee replacement and went to therapy three times a week for mm-hmm. six weeks. Well, that's not quite what happens in the pelvic health world. We're probably seeing you for a visit today. And then maybe you're going to come back and visit with me in, in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. Just Because you're giving some exercises. Right, because these things are not going to change fast, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not going to be. It takes hard work. It's going to take a little bit of work, right? So I never want to overburden somebody with number one a copay and kind of you know the frustration of not feeling they did their homework the way they should. So mm-hmm. let's give you a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get on track with that, and then yeah. come back and revisit. And what are you? What's going well and what's not going well? And what courses do we need to change? And mm-hmm. kind of how do we go about that? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just I have to say I just remember feeling so stinking loved at my <laughs> six week post-op appointment or postpartum appointment and my and and my midwife um I just love her it's probably because oh, I'm hormonally attached to her because she <laughs> delivered my baby so sure, you know right, it's like right. I have yes. all these hormones surging yes. that yes. bond anything that they can see yeah. but um I just remember her saying because I was saying I, I was like I am so sore yeah. I'm so sore like my t- I think I broke my tailbone oh yeah remember that yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. terrible yeah and um and I just remember her saying, I think you'd be a really great candidate for yeah. for pelvic floor yeah. therapy, for physical therapy, you know, mm-hmm. can, can I write you a referral? Yeah. And I just was like, okay, yeah. you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, but your tenderness, and I know that all of your colleagues are the same exact way, your tenderness, your education, 
your patience, your understanding. I mean, I remember being embarrassed because of how weak I was. I had yeah. no like abdomen muscles sure. and that kind of thing. And and just the education that you provide in in your field was so valuable oh, that I'm going off and telling all yeah. my friends about it. You <laughs> know, I'm probably yeah. I'm not as educating no, as well, well as you are, but but that's fantastic. And I and I think we're sharing. You know, early on in my practice, you know, our referrals came only from physicians. But it's equally as likely that a patient's going to come through our door because yeah. a referral from a friend or a sister or a mom or yeah. a, somebody they saw or they on a heard podcast. you on Lead Them to Life. I know. It's <laughs> right. going to be the happiest so, thing in the world if right. somebody So <laughs> it's just a matter you. of, hey, just know that we're out there and know that, yeah. you know, we're really hopeful that we can offer you yeah. an improved quality of life. Yeah. You know, I mean, no matter why you go see a physical therapist to yeah. walk better or run better or yeah. Reach over your head better or, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever it is. Or achieve we, better intimacy with your spouse. Exactly. Yeah, so our totally. goal is just to help you reclaim your life. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So um, where can people find you? Sure. Can I just put your, yeah. maybe, what's the best way? Put your clinic in my show notes. Sure. We can do that. Or I can even probably give you the list of the three locations in town that have pelvic health therapists and yeah. okay. um, kind of go from there. Okay. Um, but I'm currently, I practice at the, in the physical therapy department at the Avera fitness center. Yep. So I'm over on 49th and yeah. 41st and Southeastern. Okay. Um, we have got somebody in the new human performance center. Um, so down on like 69th and Lo- 69th and Louise. And we have somebody on the West side, um, kind of in that family health clinic. Awesome. And okay. she's actually in with the OB department over there Perfect. too. Okay. So yeah, and then Great. we actually have somebody in Brandon too. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Final question before I let you go. Yes. I ask every guest that comes on Lead yes. Up to Life if there's a question that you have been pondering, and yes. and I gave you the example yeah. before we started yeah. of like somebody once asked me, "Have you ever heard of pelvic floor <laughs> therapy, or have you ever considered yes. that?" And yeah. it changed everything for yep. me. So, what's a question that you yes. have been pondering? So my heart currently ponders kind of at a different mother stage of motherhood is yeah. have I prepared my 18 year old <laughs> yeah. to be ready to leave the nest? Yeah. Yeah. So a yeah. big question. It's a big question. Indeed. We'll see. We'll oh. see. She's a very independent, smart, yeah. intelligent young woman. Yeah. But yeah. And yet there's always that like, have I done enough? Yeah. Have I told have you I not done? to yeah. talk to strangers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have I told you to look behind you? Yeah, exactly. Oh right. my goodness. That very have I told you not to answer your indeed. phone when you're driving? Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. All of those little All things. All of those things. Have I told you that 16 times yet? Because yeah. maybe I've only told you 14 times. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, right. So those are the things that are on my heart. Is like, yeah. are we getting ready to send this new generation yeah. out into the world and yeah. ready to conquer it all the yeah. way and remember that? We were able to conquer it all when we were all 18. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, because we did it so perfectly. Oh, you know? of course we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stacey, right. thank you so much oh, for, for sharing your education, yeah. your insights, your it's skills so good to with see you us. Again. It's good to see you too. Yeah. Friends, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And I would really encourage you to share it with a friend. I know it's maybe a little bit uncomfortable or a little more intimate in some ways, but I think that conversations like this are so essential and so necessary and ultimately lead to a greater Um, sense of flourishing in our lives and our marriages and our future marriages, whatever stage we find ourselves. So I hope you share it with a friend and we'll see you next time.